All right. What's going on, everyone? We are here on another week of the roundtable. And we got a guest today. Man, on pins and needles, everybody. Drum roll. Here it is. <laughs> Drew Stevenson. Hey, guys. Doing, it's uh, it's such a gift to be here. Just um, I couldn't give up the opportunity to, to influence all three of you that are <laughs> watching this right now. <laughs> So I, I jumped on. You jumped into your studio. You jumped into your studio to do this. <laughs> exactly. This was the best opportunity I had right now to influence as many people as possible. So, <laughs> if you wanted to influence anybody, you would not have been uh, taking the time to do this. But if you wanted to have a fun conversation with friends, it's totally worth it. So exactly, exactly. Okay, Drew. I got to hang out with you this weekend on the salt retreat up in Minnesota. That was a blast, dude. You, okay. Here's the thing you guys drew, you left. Was it 2017? Is it you 2017 left, that you left yep. to, to plant uh, salt city church up in Minnesota? I, I was, you had me pre, you know, preach on that first salt retreat four years ago that fall. We were, I don't know how many students there were, not very many. And this year, uh, to be there four years later and to see mm. just the explosive growth. I mean, just amazing. You want to see a little video from, uh, let's see if I can find a one. Um, I took a little video of the Saturday night just because I was so blown away. Here it is, Drew. I love that I can see my reflection in the video right now. That's amazing. <laughs> this is the production quality. It's awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. Dude, oh, your, your uh, salt staff is amazing. Oh, what, man. What did you, <laughs> what did you do? You do How'd you pull that off? <laughs> <laughs> I can't take any credit. It's, it's just been such a good, I mean, like our latest um, addition to staff, Austin Miller, you know, who you met and got to hang out oh, with. I just feel like it's such a, it's such a network, you know, project. Anytime you hire somebody, he went overseas. I don't even think I knew who he was. And then I, I went over. Um, so this was like a little over a year ago and was hanging out with Clint Robinson in Thailand. And he was like, Austin Miller is the best guy I've ever had overseas. Like he just had so much fun with him. If Clint and, Robinson is saying that. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, Austin he's amazing. And I didn't really know who Austin was at that point, but I decided right then and there that I was going to hire him. Cause if, if Clint is saying that he's that amazing, he's got to be that amazing. And, yeah. So, and I've, I said this, yeah. I said this to our staff that, um, and, and Drake Epkis, you know, leading salt there is so much like Jesus. Mm. <laughs> I mean, the way that you would not have known who is leading the ministry if you just showed up for the weekend, because he so platforms other people and, you know, elevating Abby, you know, Gonzalez yep. and, and 
yeah, Colin and the different and the different ones. I mean, it was just amazing to see him pushing snack carts in the back. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone else had the microphone. Exactly. Yeah. And even when he got back, you know, he didn't talk about anything that he did or any decisions that he made. He's just talking about everybody else and praising them mm. for how good a you know, well, they did. He reminds, it reminds me of what C.S. Lewis said about friendship is that like a true friend is going to make you feel amazing about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Like you're not going to think that guy's an amazing friend. You're going to think I'm hilarious. (laughs) 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 When you're with a good friend and that's how Drake makes everybody feel like they're, they're amazing. And that's what makes him amazing. Yeah. Oh, totally. Mm. And that, that kind of goes into the thing why I wanted to pull you on to this time, because um, I think you're helping me co-write this book, uh, you know, about the mediocre pastor and the advantage of average. And yep. it was something that we we've processed a lot. And our my you know, my text inbox is is blowing up with you coming up with different chapter chapters to the book and different ideas. And this has kind of become a little motif of ours right now of this idea of the advantage of average and something we talked about. I talked to your staff about in our, in our time together um, about just the, the glorious ambition of being a mediocre pastor and how, how being a mediocre pastor is like an actual enviable skill, as you would say. <laughs> and so that's the, I want to, so here's the, here's what I want to do for our time today. I want to read you the next section of the book and have okay. you yep. respond to it. You, you should put air quotes around the book. <laughs> People might actually misunderstand if they like this. Yeah. You're gonna, everyone's going to think that you're reading this off of a computer in a word document, but it's actually like, on a gum wrapper and (laughs) (laughs) written in crayon. It's going to be the first ever book published on like gum wrappers stapled together. Do you remember Jonathan Edwards? He, I was reading a biography about him uh, back in college and he would like find anything he could write on and he would write are you serious? Dude, I got to go to Yale Seminary. He had he would start writing the opposite way over the top of it. And he would like. Oh, yeah. And then he would pin them to his shirt so he yeah, could remember his hey, thoughts. Yeah. Right. So, so his wife, <laughs> make money for the family, would make hats. And the, the material that they would use to bring the hats was this thin, thin tissue in between these layers of material. So he would take those. So I got to hold and then he would carefully stitch them together, no way. but they were round. So you got this like half moon thing that you open no way. in the tiniest tissue. And then he would write this. Small. Mm. I got to hold sinners in the hands of an angry no God in my way. head. Yes. We got a, like a private, like they brought oh, his collection out, but no, to see the kinds of materials he would use in order to write these volumes that now we carry around leather wow. bound, you know, that is amazing. amazing. And yeah. did you know, he's like my uh, distant relative. He's like a great uncle. What? Yeah. 
Is this like one of those guys that we all have somebody? I, in the main I floor? actually, <laughs> I actually have. You guys should see our studio in in this little box right here that I set oh. my computer on. There it is in there. I have our family tree and uh, wow. And uh, yeah, there there's Edwards in there somewhere, but. Um, Which means was, you're also related to Aaron Burr. No, that's the connection. <laughs> that's the connection is that we're, we're related to Aaron Burr. And uh, my, my niece was so excited to hear, you know, she, she loved Hamilton. And when my sister found out, she couldn't remember what character she's like, we are related to somebody in Hamilton <laughs> and her, you know, and my niece. So she went around telling all her friends that we're related to someone in Hamilton and then, but Barbie didn't know who it was. And then when she found out, she, she told, <laughs> she told her and she's like, it's Aaron Burr. It's like, <laughs> the villain. Worst. yeah. And he, and he remains so to the end of his oh, life, yeah. man. He was like, yeah. all right. What anyway. a letdown. His blood flows <laughs> through your veins. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to make a connection to me and Edwards with this book. <laughs> and you'll see how similar this is to things like an essay concerning Religious the affection, of yeah, the whatever. Way, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, it's yeah. really similar. It's exactly the philosophical <laughs> logic and concerning religious affections. Uh, here we go. Okay, you ready? I'll oh, read yeah. and you respond because you wrote some of this so. <laughs> <laughs> in your stream of consciousness. Okay, totally. right here it is. Chapter one: the secret sauce. Being average. Quote, the errants are on the cutting edge of mediocrity, end quote. My dad. The errants are almost good at a lot of things, but not actually good at anything. We are on the cutting edge of average. We are athletic enough to make the team in a small town. We are good enough singers to perform in concert at a nursing home. <laughs> Our preaching is adequate, at times compelling to children. We are savvy enough with money to drive old Hondas. <laughs> with our construction skills, we'll gladly do your construction project for free. On the golf course, we feel great about a solid round of quadruple bogey golf. We don't say good job to each other. We say good try. And we feel so encouraged by that. <laughs> <laughs> but don't pity us. Mediocrity is not our curse. It is our skill. It's our secret weapon. We think that no one is more blessed than us. Yes, average is the key to our success. Step one, accepting reality. Here's the good news. 99.9% .9 of people in the world are like us. Average. I think that's generous. That means that 30,000 Americans are not average. They're spectacular, amazing people. They are people that will be written about in history books. John Adams, Albert Einstein, Abraham Lincoln, MLK, Harriet Tubman. If we think about all the world-changing, once-in-a-lifetime people walking around in America right now, 30,000 seems like a lot. Are there really 30,000 Einsteins and Tubmans? Maybe there are more. But that means there are at least 30 million others who are not spectacular. Most people are average. So why do we go on spending our time trying so hard to be amazing when statistically none of us are ever going to be amazing? If you never accept that you are average, won't you have to live your whole life thinking, I'm a special, extraordinary person 
who just keeps falling short of extraordinary. Instead of devouring all the self-help books and trying to be amazing, what if we just accepted the fact that we're average? This book is for that 99.99% of people who are average in the world. And that 0.01% who aren't average, the most, uh, let's see, and there it kind of trickles off into just <laughs> random thoughts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> totally undeveloped thoughts right there. Okay. That's so good though. It's That's so good. It's And I basically have this riff on Winston Churchill. I'm reading a biography about him. Mm. And I just say, um, uh, Winston Churchill knew he was not average. He told a friend at age 15 that he'd be the prime minister and save England. He picked out a white horse so he'd be shot at, so he'd be a war hero, so he'd get famous, so he'd get power and notoriety. Mm. Winston Churchill was not average. But I'm not trying to be Winston Churchill. Most people aren't. If you are, then put down this book. In reading this, you may miss your destiny of greatness. You pull them back, pull them down. <laughs> yeah. There's like somebody that's actually gonna be the next Winston Churchill, and they read this book. Them. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> anyway, all right. Those are those are the the. It digressed into half okay. Okay, so I, I've already been thinking about this because last night we had connection group at my house and we've got like all these young engaged couples in our connection group and some of them are still college students. So they were on the retreat. So they were already reflecting on, you know, mediocre pastors and just, you know, some of the stuff that you talked about. But one of the things we laughed about was the the 99.9% of people are average because that's actually statistically impossible because average means that they're right in the middle. So 99.9% of people are average. That's amazing. I actually think that makes the point. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's the most... Uh, my guess is that 99.9% of people it's a, it's a self-defeating statement <laughs> exactly so that's incredible oh, okay here's but here's here's another so one of the guys in my connection group drew his all his name's also drew but he was reflecting on your your last talk at the retreat so the one on your dad and one of the statements you made was just show up and he was contrasting that with a different fall retreat that he was on where the last talk was on the stoning of Stephen. And it was like this call to like, basically like live an ethic life for Jesus. And, you know, maybe you'll, you'll get martyred and whatever. And he's like, it was inspiring, but I left just feeling like, no, like I can't do that. And he's like, and I left Mark's talking. I can do that. I can. And in fact, up. and in fact, like he was doing that. Uh, <laughs> like right then. Right. You're already a, you've already applied the message, just the fact that you're sitting there at the retreat listening to yeah. the talk. Right. But <laughs> but it's interesting because something that um like I processed with you, Mark. 
It's like the one thing in my life that people have told me I'm amazing at is preaching. Okay. So preaching the Bible, but, but I'm like, what's funny about that is that people take that. So they hear me, they hear me teach the Bible. Okay. And they, they basically extrapolate that on my whole life. So they think because you're good at that, then you must be equally that good at everything else. So it automatically sets me up for like hypocrisy in the rest of my life. Right. And so it's like, I mean, not to the same degree, but people do that with athletes and celebrities too. They're like, well, you're that good at acting or you're that good at a sport. So you must be that good at, at everything. Mm. And so it's, it's so interesting because like something that I've told you is that you like without your leadership in my life, there's no way I would have ever planted a church because I knew that I would be completely average at that. Like, so you read like books and it's like, well, you've got to be an entrepreneurial leader or you need to develop this system of care that is incredible so that every person in your church is discipled and shepherded, or, you know, you need to be a fundraising maniac or basically like you cannot be average. You have to be amazing. Mm. And, you know, I told you, and it was, it was a, it was a, like a complete compliment, like following your leadership. It was like, if Mark Aaron can do this, anybody can. <laughs> like, That's what I thought you were going with. I was like, wow, yeah. somewhere in there, Mark is a compliment. That is the great, that is the, yeah. is the greatest compliment, Drew, because yeah. that is, that is my ministry is, is to encourage people that if I can do it, anyone can, because the illustration I thought of, um, this old uh, guy, he was, uh, well, whatever. I I had him speak at a salt retreat back in the late 2000s. His name is Paul Schleicher. He's just a uh, he's a lay leader in a church back home, and he actually is a great communicator, great speaker. But he uses this illustration of um, of a glove, like basically as as Christians, all we are is is a glove. If you picture right. just like some beat up leather farm glove just sitting on the ground. It's just, mm-hmm. it's useless until the farmer, my grandpa, I picture, I picture being a little kid and seeing these gloves and right. my grandpa would put on his gloves. And I picture once my grandpa's hand went in the glove, there's nothing that glove right. could not do. Right. Mm. That's the whole point of this whole reflection on average is it's he has put the treasure in jars of clay so that we would know that the all surpassing power is from God and not from us. And every single leader in the Bible, I think, is average to below average. I mean, even the greatest heroes, I mean, David, shepherd boy, um, uh, Elijah, Paul, or James says, was a man just like us, flesh just like us. He was from, his town was called a bump in the road or whatever the, you know, his, uh, I mean, Gideon for sure, the lowest, the youngest in his family of the smallest tribe of, you know, I mean, Moses with a speech impediment. I mean, 
Mm-hmm. All of these yeah. stories about these people is to show that the power is God's. And I think that mm-hmm. we live in a country where we celebrate, mm-hmm. well, just even the word celebrity means you're celebrated, like, mm-hmm. because you're amazing. And I think for us, we have to fight that impulse oh, to try to be amazing. That's why I think mm-hmm. average is an enviable skill because. Embrace it. When, well, God, when God puts his hand I've in been talking about amazing things, you might get, anyway, proud. Something I've been talking about with our team is, you know, um, I mean, it's, it's been a rough season for our team lately. I mean, partly because of, of blessing, but partly because of suffering. Cause you know, blessing meaning, um, you know, Nate Cox had a baby. Drake had a baby. Kaylee had a baby. Mm. Jordan Adams had a baby. Isaac had a baby. Like, so there's like hands are more full than they've ever been. And then, um, over the past several weeks, one of our staff teams, sibling unexpectedly died. And one of our staff team's dad was diagnosed with cancer. And one of the reflections I've had is how suffering and blessing make everybody average because like God's agenda for us doesn't seem to be to align our lives so that we can be as productive as possible. Mm-hmm. He wants us to be fruitful, which is different than productive, but so much of fruitfulness is just waiting Mm -hmm. on the Lord. Mm. Right. And we're so stubborn that there's no way we'll slow down and wait. We'll just fill our time and, and be busy. But I've seen that in my own life. I feel like God just continues to, to pull me into suffering and into difficulty and into stressful situations and is I feel like sometimes he's trying to make me as unproductive as he possibly can so that I can be fruitful. Yeah. To always have the limp kind of thing to always. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Jeff, I was reflecting on that. I remember like one of the most uh, profound moments uh, when I was doing CST with you in Ames. So this was, you know, back in 2010. Mm. And I remember one time you showed up to class like 15 minutes late and you were wearing jeans and a dirty t-shirt. And you were just like, had a smile on your face. And you were just like, guys, I'm going to be honest. Like this, I did not prep this well because I've been, you know, helping somebody in the church with yard work and like they needed my help. And, and you're just like, so we're just going to have to learn this material together. (laughs) And, and I remember just being like, man, like in that moment, I'm so glad that I'm doing seminary in the context of a local church Mm -hmm. with a real pastor, because I think this is more what ministry is like. Hmm. than what you read about in a lot of books. Hmm. You know, it's, it's not just uninterrupted 
And also the guy, the the guy you want to learn from, tell the story about the the professor who loved gardening too much. Oh yeah. So so for a while, right before God turned me around, I was planning on going to Covenant Seminary in St. Louis. And there was a professor there. He had he was a direct disciple of Francis Schaefer. He went to Labrie, came to Christ there, and his name's escaping me at the moment, but um he was he had written some books and, and was teaching and students just saw him as a brilliant guy. And one of the students one time asked him, why haven't you kind of gone on the speaking circuit? Why haven't you written more books? And he just paused and he's like, you know what? I really love gardening. (laughs) And like, that's all he said. Like, And I think what he was saying, as I've thought about that over the years, is is actually quite profound. Mm-hmm. You know, in our hectic, busy, productive corporate culture, there's there's this idea that we need to be pastor CEOs who run slick organizations that have no flaws and that we need to be busy, 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 busy. And man, if, if I've learned anything about ministry, it's that it's not in my hands and it takes time. It's the Lord's work, you know? Well, and so last week I was uh, teaching this PhD seminar, you know? So I took a couple of the guys out for lunch one time. Well, I had just come off leading the room on a discussion about a book that I frankly just don't understand that much. And I thought the other guy was going to have to lead the discussion, but I led through anyway, the guy in the car, he goes, man, you are amazing at leading those discussions. And I said, well, it's because I didn't know I needed to hear from you guys. You're the PhD students. He goes, Oh, and you're humble too. I said, no, (laughs) no, I'm serious. I'm not trying to convince him. No, I didn't know what I was talking about. That's oh, why I man. led the discussion. So he, what he thought was was um, a a tactic that I had as a teacher. Totally, my I was sincerely asking them questions about this. Book. That's why the best connection group <laughs> leaders don't have all the answers. Oh, totally, because they don't know, right? <laughs> so, and so that this. was right before the call. I told you guys my my today's reflection was that average pastors have to trust the system. So you think of like a sports analogy, right? Like, like Michael Jordan is told by his coach, like you need to trust the system, right? right. But Steve Kerr had to trust the system because he can't do anything except shoot three pointers. So it's like, he just has to stand in the corner and wait for the ball to come to him. Right. And there's no, there's no skill or tactic. It's a lack of skill that makes him have to trust the system. And so, what, do you, like, what do you, what's the equivalent of that in ministry? What do you mean? Trust the system? Well, I feel like, like what I was saying earlier, like maybe I appear to be great at ministry because I have one skill that, that people it's very recognizable, right. To be like a teacher up front and, be, and to be good at that. But it's like, 
I'm good at almost nothing else. <laughs> so like, like I'm just such an average like leader of staff and like, I can't, I can't really put systems in follow through is hard for me and all that. So like we have what we call our executive team. And I mean, I don't even know how to lead that meeting, you know? And so like I go into that and I'm genuinely asking like, what, what should we do? Like, like it's not a strategy. It's not like I'm trying to be humble or like, Oh, I want to include other people in the room. Right. I want to set other people up for success or I don't want to take all the credit. Like I legitimately just don't know what to do <laughs> or how to like, like organizational leadership is not, my strength. So, uh, but the grace in that is that admitting that and enjoying that, enjoying the fact that you are in a body of believers that God isn't expecting you to have all, all the Trump cards in your hand. Nope. Right. Others that need to play, you know what I mean? And otherwise this is, it's not going to happen. So I, yeah, it's the brilliance. Yeah. You need, that's the way I would say, and I, this is a, I don't know if we've talked about this because this is one of the, I don't know if these are ideas in chapters or chapters themselves, but it's the statement that, you know, average pastors need other people. And you know, for a fact, because you always know as an average pastor, whatever room you're in, you're never the smartest person in the room. Right. And so you just assume like that picture literally of other PhD students, yeah. you knew that you weren't the smartest person in that totally. room, that someone else is going to have to help me understand this. Yeah. Like for me, the brain power did definitely did not work its way down the family tree uh, to me from Jonathan Edwards, but, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's that um, you, you, yeah, you genuinely um, yeah. need it, like the Steve Kerr analogy. Like you genuinely uh, need someone else to do all the amazing things. And I think that's uh, what it, we saw this. I saw this in Panama. So you remember this because you met uh, the missionary down there. I was down in Panama in the middle of the Darien jungle. And and that was our first trip down there back in 2003. And out of the, out of this dark jungle river comes walking this like six foot eight Man, behemoth, six foot eight, <laughs> gigantic white man. Seriously, shoulders like ours put together. <laughs> Buzz cut, looked like he was straight, but he was really dark from the sun. But he was, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I thought I was like who is this person? Cause the Embedar people are really small, you know, and out comes this huge guy. I had no idea who he was. We got to know him. He's a missionary down there. He was born in the jungle. His parents were, um, yeah. you know, new tribes, missionaries. He lived with the people. I mean, he's drinking out of the river, just yeah. like all, he's like one of them. He was the most average person you could ever meet totally average, couldn't, wasn't a great teacher, mm-hmm. speaker. I mean, he translated for you, uh-huh. but through his leadership, oh man, the gospel had gotten 
way into the jungle, down into Colombia, and he had translated the Bible and done all this amazing yeah. work. Yeah. Because he had to empower the Embera people to do it because he couldn't. Like he wasn't like they were actually the elders, pastors, church planners and all that because he was so average, you know, and I just see that that principle of God using um, average people for extraordinary things is, hey, guess who we got here? Drew, you're going to love it. Look who just showed up. Jake. <laughs> nice. On. Jake each just joined the round table. Jake. <laughs> Another average pastor. Yes. Yeah. No, no, he's actually come on over here so we can see it. Jake, that's what we were talking about. So um, we're talking about uh, being an average pastor. So I excel at that. <laughs> excel Jake at excels at average. I'm above average at being average. Jake, Jake, let me ask you a question because you're, you know, you've also been told by a lot of people that you're a gifted Bible teacher. I was talking about this, how how I'm an, just a total average pastor with one skill. But what people do to me is they then think that that one skill trickles down to the rest of my life in every area. And so then they actually get to know me and they become disappointed. <laughs> so I'm about how, how that one skill, do you ever experience that? Often. I think, uh, <laughs> Anytime when you're up on stage, people can project different things. And then we hang out and it's an extreme disappointment to them. <laughs> <laughs> I needed, I needed you so badly to, to, but to for relate me, to me on for that. Me it's, it's different because I'm apologizing as I'm up on the stage. Like, <laughs> guys, I'm sorry. This, this is the best I got. <laughs> oh man. That's hilarious. So yeah, I guess uh, I guess it's time for us to hang out. Um, any <laughs> any closing thoughts, Drew, from our our time reflecting on this? Oh man, any average thought you can throw? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, well, one of the things that that I was thinking about was um, if if you do have a strength that's above average don't call other people to be like you in that because mm -hmm. i think man it is so easy mm -hmm. to sort of platform and then um expect other people to share our god-given gifts talents abilities whatever like i i just think of the apostle paul he says that his ambition is to preach the gospel where Jesus has never been named. But then he tells the churches, you guys just live a quiet, godly life in Christ Jesus. He's not telling the mm. church at Philippi to be world-class missionaries. He's not telling them to, to try to have a writing ministry. He's not telling them. He's saying, I want you to, to exemplify the character of Christ yep. in your own local context. Yep. Um, but. I, yeah, I I think I just want to be aware of the the places where I have strength and and zeal probably mm. the most. Mm. You know? Yep. One of the one of the thoughts I had um, this morning, I was I was reflecting on this with some guys at my table, 
Coach Dermody just, dude, Drew, he started a men's Bible study. And there's like a hundred guys packed into this little room and Brian is in his natural habitat. Yeah. It's like, it's like the weight room, you know? Oh, totally. You got a strength and conditioning, you know? <laughs> you were the one, by the way, that saved Brian's future in ministry. I don't know about that. <laughs> you wanted to fire him and then you, you found out. I said you couldn't, and then you found out the next year how amazing he was <laughs> as an administrative leader, and you're like, dude, you... So I both almost ended his ministry career and saved it, and you <laughs> both almost ended his ministry career and saved yeah. it, so... Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. Anyway, long story. He, he uh, so he had, you know, at our table, we were talking, and and I had a guy, um, I was I was saying how... Average pastors are not afraid of making mistakes because we usually make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we live, but it's also how we learn. Like back to the chess thing, people that play chess, they think to the fourth, fifth, sixth move and all the things that could go wrong, but we don't play life that way. We're not smart enough. <laughs> so we just take risks. So you, you're not afraid of failure because you know that that's kind of how you learn. And um, we were just talking about this and, and one of the guys was saying he's actually um, he was in, I think the Marines, maybe the army, he's in the military and uh, he was on a squad. They, they actually made a movie about his squad and it was called green zone. And his squad leader was played hmm. by Pat Damon. And the guy's name, I can't remember uh, the guy's name, but he was he was telling me about it, about the guy, um, about his squad leader. And he was just saying how, oh, was, I think it was Monty Gonzalez. And uh, he just said he was the most average guy. Like he's considered a, a hero, but he's like, he was the most average guy. And he would be up at, he would be up at like five thirty in the morning running, and he's like, the only reason I'm up at five thirty running is so I can keep up with you guys, <laughs> because that's how so far behind I am from you guys and your abilities. And he just constantly, you know, leaned on his guys. And uh, my encouragement, I guess, to people, um, to us, you know, and, and to anyone who might be listening, is just to. Um, being average is not about like being lazy, um, or passive. Um, but it's about, it's about seeking God and with all your heart and not being afraid of making mistakes and going for it. Um, Drew, you're frozen. I don't know if you can hear me, but there you are, Drew. Yep. I can hear you. All right. You are officially cutting out. Which means I think we're winding down here. So, uh, and I think Jeff has lost interest. Look at you. <laughs> freezing up too. I was, where'd Jake go? He was in this thing. <laughs> this is how, this is how the average uh, pastors and their podcasts. Podcast. Yep. It just kind of, kind of a, a crash landing. So it just kind of ends. Yep. Drew. 
Good to see you. It was great hanging out with you last weekend. Um, love you and your family. And yeah, we'll be in touch. Uh, until next time, I'll keep the keep the text coming. Keep the ideas coming. The chapters flow into this book that you're going to have to finish, finish. because yep. the mediocre yep. master doesn't finish their own book. So <laughs> exactly. Thanks. Awesome. Okay. Uh, until next time. All right. Speak, and, uh, love, yeah. All right. Love you too. Bye.